journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Shalom, shalom. You are with 101.9 High FM. I am Adol Kazilski. Excited to be back with you. Uh, hope everybody is staying safe and everybody's adhering to all the rules they have to. Um, and uh, hopefully, please God, very soon we'll start seeing ourselves out of the scourge of illness that we find ourselves in right now. And as always, what better way to avert the scourge, number one, is to avert your mind and to start thinking good things and doing good deeds. And one of the best deeds to do is to learn Torah because the learning of Torah is very, very weighty and it's a mitzvah that is considered as doing many, many other mitzvahs. And so I'm excited to be here with you for the next three quarters of an hour while we go on a trip of a lifetime. Yes, we are tripping through the book of Genesis. We're in Parashat Vayetze. That, for anybody who's following in, is chapter 30 right now. We're going to be starting chapter 30. Can you actually believe we've done 29 chapters? We're on chapter 30. We're going to do verse 1. We're in the middle of understanding how the Jewish people became the Jewish people insofar as we are discussing the birth of the 12 tribes. Now, as we know, Jacob came down to Haran, came down to his mother's birthplace in order to marry a wife, um, the love of his life being Rachel, Rachel. But uh, circumstances changed around. He was deceived by his father-in-law, Lavan. He marries the older sister, Leah, inadvertently. But as we know, there is no mistake um, from, 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 from Hashem, even though it might look like a mistake when we look at it, but he marries Leah and Rachel, and um, they know, particularly uh, uh, both Leah and Rachel know, that it is through them that he is going to be meritorious in birthing the Jewish nation. And where we uh, stopped off, not last week, but the week before, we can pick it up in the podcast is that Leah was the first to give birth, and in fact she gives birth to four uh, sons. What was really supposed to happen is there should have been three, 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 and three. Three for Leah, three for Rachel, three uh, for Bella, three for Zilpah. Those were the two hand servants or maid servants that uh, came along when they got married. They were also sisters, but they were from... Uh, uh, Lavan's concubines, and while we don't really understand this today, um, because a man only has one wife, and I think that most men will agree that, thank God, they only have one wife, uh, <laughs> they came along too, and it was from this troop of girls, so to speak, that we are to see the birthing of the 12 tribes. So Leah gives birth to Reuven, to Reuven, Shimon, uh, Levi, and to Yehuda to a fourth child, um, and we left off where Yehuda, being the fourth one, she was very, very excited to have him, because, and Yehuda comes from the word yada, which means to thank, and basically Leah was being very, very thankful, because as she saw it, she, she was oversubscribed, she had done more than her part in birthing the children of Israel. 
Well, you can just imagine the family dynamics when Rachel, the beloved one, the one who went through a lot of Mesirat Nefesh, who went through a lot of self-sacrifice, realizes that she um, has no children. And this is where we are going to be picking up now. Chapter 30, verse 1, Perik Lamed, Pasuk Aleph. Vatere Rachel Kilo Yalda Yaakov. Rachel sees that she is not bearing Yaakov any children. Vatikane Rachel Baachotta becomes jealous of the sister. Vatomer al Yaakov. Havali Vanim. Give me children. Vim Ain Meta Anachi. For if you do not give me children, it is as if I will die. What is that all about? Because we know that people that are righteous are not jealous of others. But, but we are told that when it comes to spiritual matters, it's good to be jealous. Uh, a person should ask, for example, why is that man able to study Torah and write down insights all day and I accomplish nothing? Because through positive jealousy, one is motivated when one gains wisdom. So this is really where Rachel was. She wasn't like jealous that Leah wasn't doing anything. She was jealous because she could not um, rise to the level of Leah and give Yaakov children and thus promote the Jewish people. Now, we know and we've spoken about it before, but it bears mentioning again over here that uh, Leah... Well, let's say it this way: that Rachel uh, was was considered was considered uh, dead, and I'm putting "dead" in inverted commas because um, we are told in the Gemara that there are four people who are considered dead. One is a blind man because he cannot see and move around, and so to an extent, his world is dead. One who has lost money because he feels worse than a beggar, and that's the one that. We spoke about, remember, when uh, Eliphaz, uh, Asab's son, ran after Yaakov to kill him after he stole the birthright. And he said, take all my money because once I am poor, <clears throat> excuse me, once I am poor, um, it is considered as if I'm dead and you can go tell your father, you effectively killed me. Um, the third person who's considered dead is a leper because he cannot associate with other people. And finally, it says, one who has no children. Now, again, we're saying here, it is considered dead. You're not completely dead. Um, and you will see now in the conversation that Rachel has with Yaakov, that Yaakov doesn't really understand the extent of Rachel's anguish because you're not considered dead. You're, you, let's say this rather this way. You're not considered childless if you don't have children. Let's follow in inside and let's see what what is being said and what is being shared. Vayichar af Yaakov barachel. Yaakov became very angry with Rachel. Vayomer and he said, Hatachat Elohim Anochi Am I, can I take God's place? Asher manami meh privatim for he, it is he who has withheld the fruit of the womb from you. 
So the first thing we are told in the Midrash is that Yaakov was saying, why are you considering yourself dead because you have no children? That's not right. Because what is a person's children? A person's main children are the good deeds that he performs in this world, his mitzvot. Now, it is true that a childless person is considered as if he is dead, but only if he is wicked, because the wicked must leave children in order to accomplish something in life. So if nothing is accomplished in life, then you are you, you, you're considered really dead. But a person who has no children, but however they are completely virtuous and they are fulfilling Torah and mitzvot and they have a lot of good deeds in their name, albeit they do not have physical children, they have a tremendous amount of children. They have a tremendous amount of effect in this world and effect in the world to come. And many, many times we also see that um, righteous people, sometimes very righteous people, do not merit to have children. But the amount of children they produce in this world through their good deeds, through their students, through their teaching, far outnumbers a person who physically has children. So we need to put it in context. We're going to continue le- le- learning. In the meantime, you're with me, Eil Kozulski, on Chai FM 101.9. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back, and you're with me, Adel Kozulski. We are discussing the birth of the 12 tribes. If you have a comment or a question, 34519 is our SMS line, 061-895-1019. I see a question has come in. Regarding concubines, uh, Carol wants to know what are the basic rules of a husband who had concubines? Well, honestly, that's actually a very, very good question. Um, and it's something that I haven't gone and uh, investigated in full, but I can tell you the following. Um, a concubine is called a pelegesh, okay? And it basically meant that this was a marital companion of inferior status to a wife. That's what uh, a concubine held in the time of the temple. Um, And it seemed that this was found even amongst the Assyrians, amongst the Greeks as well, uh, that they would have this this, uh, concubine relationship. So many aspects of a a, uh, a regular Marriage would be in place, and then there would be other um, aspects that were were not allowed. I'm not 100% sure. All I can tell you is that there were lots of concubines in the time of the, of the of the Bible. Royal concubines were standard amongst the kings of Judah and of, of Israel. They were uh, clearly um, distinguished. If anybody did anything with a monarch's concubine, it was tantamount to usurpation of the throne, and that just was the way in 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 uh, in, in biblical times. What we do know is that a thousand years ago, a, a law was promulgated that um, this was no longer viable. That the way things were going, um, one was not allowed to have any more concubines. 
and since a thousand years ago, we have the we have the law that a man can only be married to one woman at a time. So, I, I got to be honest, this still baffles me somewhat. It's like quite a difficult idea to wrap your mind around to think that you know you've got your husband and your husband has got other ladies, and that you would actually sometimes, as we are going to see now, um, you're going to see now. The, the wives actually gave concubines to Yaakov. Just in terms of the halakha, uh, a concubine has no ketubah, okay, and she doesn't, she doesn't, she's not entitled to maintenance. So it really, really was a, a, a what should we say, a, a, a rather strange idea for us in the 21st century to actually understand um, how a concubine uh, fitted into the whole thing. But a great question, and thank you for that. Uh, if anybody else has any other comments or ideas that they'd like to share, 34519, our SMS 061-895-1019. Right, we're going back to the discussion uh, between Rachel and Yaakov. And uh, they they're, they're having this discussion around the fact that she has no kids. So Rachel, the midrash goes on to say, says to Yaakov, "Why don't you pray for children like your parents did?" And he replied, "My parents had no children, but I do have children. I already have four sons." And then uh, Rachel replied back again, "But your grandfather um, Abraham." already had Yishmael when he prayed that he should have a son through Sarah. Why don't you emulate him? To which Yaakov replies to Rachel, so why don't you emulate Sarah then? For she gave her husband her handmaid as a second wife and let her live in the house. Uh, and as a result of her suffering, she was worthy of having her own son. And to that then... Uh, Rachel replies, well, if that's what it takes, then that's what I'll do. I will give you Bella. Now, let's just remember again and just go through it. Zilpa, Bella and Zilpa, Bella being the older one, really should have gone with Leah and Zilpa with Rachel. But if you recall, um, Lavan had to trick uh, Yaakov into marrying Leah, and so he swapped those two young, those two girls, those two concubines, those two handmaid servants around. And Bella was the older one, Zilpa was the younger one. And I want you to keep that in mind because we're now going to understand a little bit more once we see the story unfold. So now we're going to go on to verse three of chapter thirty, Tomer and so Rachel replies to Yaakov, Hine amati bila. Here is my handmaid servant Bila. Bo elecha v'teled al birkai. Marry her, basically not marry her, marry her is the wrong word, but cohabit with her and she will give birth on my knees. Meaning in probably modern terms, she will be my surrogate. Vayibane gam anochi Mimena, and I, I will have a son through her. I will, I will give birth through her. Vatite lo et bila shichata 
Isha. So he gives Bila his maidservant as a, uh, her maidservant as a wife. Vayavo Aleha Yaakov, Yaakov cohabits with her. Vatahar Bila, Bila gives birth. Vateled Le Yaakov Bain. And she gives birth to a son. And you'll see now very interestingly that whilst she gives birth to a son, it is Rachel that actually uh, names him. Vatome Rachel. Rachel says, Danani Elokim, God has judged me. Okay, Dan, from Din, judgment. God has judged me. The Gam He heard my voice. Vayitenli Bain, He gave me a son. Alkein Kara Shemo Dan, and therefore he called her son Dan. We spoke last time that when parents name children. They get a measure of Ruach HaKodesh. They get a measure of divine inspiration. And that, in fact, um, all the names of all children throughout all the centuries or millennia that we have, 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 have lived through are divinely inspired. And that was also the case now with the, the 12 tribes. They were divinely inspired. And while it is a play on the word done, which is about judgment, uh, we know that this also would have uh, effect in the future times. And who was, in fact, a descendant of the tribe of Dan, or Dan, as we say in Hebrew, none other than Shimshon. Samson, who was a descendant of his, God judged him as well um, and gave him over to the Philistines. And so the sense of judgment is seen throughout history, not only in the naming of the child, particularly, but in his ancestors. If anybody's interested in the biblical time frame, Dunn was born on the 8th of September in the year 1565, before the Common Era. Um, in fact, very interestingly, uh, we spoke about Yehuda, the fourth son of Rachel. He was born on June 17, 1565 BCE. Uh, Dan was born on September 8, 1565 BCE. So you can see that the story doesn't necessarily um, go in chronological order, but it actually overlaps. That there was a point in time where Yaakov was expecting two children, one from Leah, who had Yehuda in the June, and then uh, Bila, who has a son in the September, if you want to know the Hebrew date, he was born on the 9th of Elul in the Jewish year 2196. Well, Rachel now is living a surrogacy through uh, her maidservant Bila, and what we see next in verse 7 is that this trend continues. But Tahar Od, she falls pregnant again, Vateled Bila Shivchat Rachel, Bain Sheni Yaakov, and her servant Bila gives birth for Rachel, a second son to Yaakov. Now you can see that the Torah is very, very, very clear that she is acting as a surrogate um, in this entire affair. But Tome Rachel, and here Rachel again is going to name the child. Naftulei Elohim Niftalti Im Achoti Gam Yachalti Batikra Shemo Naftali. I have been twisted 
through God's roundabout ways. That's Naftuli with my sister. I have also prevailed and therefore I will call him Naftali. Um, one, so some say that Naftali, the root, uh, is patal, which means twisted or crooked. Others say it comes from palel, uh, the, the shorish, which means tfilah. But irrespective, basically what Rachel was saying is that I have suffered great, great despair and anguish pleading before God to give me a son like my sister's. And finally, I have the son, and I was worthy of it because of the kindness that I did for my sister. Now, let's talk again about moving forward with regard to Naftali's descendants. Well, Naftali's descendants, um, if we are going with the fact that it comes from the Shorish Palel, which means a prayer, uh, Part of Naftali's descendants were, was in fact a very famous general in the Jewish army called Barak. Barak ben Avinoam. He was Devorah Hanaviyaz, Devorah the prophetess's uh, partner, or, or, or I can't really use the word partner, but she worked in conjunction with him in the time of the, of the, of the judges. And he threw off the yoke of the oppressors of Israel. And, and he was a, a descendant of Naphtali. When did she have this baby? Well, almost basically a year later. We said Dan was born on the September 8th of 1565 before the Common Era. Naphtali was born on the 23rd of September 1564. So the brothers came in very, very close succession. Um, in fact, it looks like there were 11 months apart. Now the plot thickens because it would seem now that, well basically he's got six kids, right? There's another six to go. Uh, Leia understands that number one, she got a bonus. She was supposed to have three. She naturally had four. Uh, Rachel has had two um, and doesn't look like that uh, Bella was doing too much more and she understood and knew, Leia understood and knew that there has to be 12 tribes. Well, how are we going to get to the other six? Well, she decided to copy her sister. Leia realized that she no longer had children. So what did she do? She takes her concubine, Zilpa, she gives her handmaiden Zilpa to Yaakov as a wife. Now, this was quite surprising because in ancient times, it was only a woman who couldn't provide her husband with children that they would allow the concubine to marry and there would be that form of surrogacy. But why, why, why provide your husband with a rival if there was no other way um, of, of having children, because surely, surely, this did lead to rivalry. But it said that Leah was a Nivea, she was a prophet, she understood uh, a lot of spiritual stuff, and she knew that Yaakov had to have 12 children, and that's what she had to do. She wanted the majority 
of those children to come from her or from her agent. And so when she gave Yaakov Zilpa, it would be accounted again as if she herself gave birth to more sons. Well, guess what? Vatelev Zilpa Shifchat Leah Le Yaakov Ben. Zilpa then bears Yaakov a son. Now, here's the funny wording. If you go back and you are following inside, you will see that most times, um, it says, that they fall pregnant. Okay? And then they give birth. Here it says, Vatelev Zilpa, Shifchat Leah, Le Yaakov Ben, that it doesn't talk about Zilpa falling pregnant and giving birth, as as the case was with Leah and Billah. Um, and the rabbis go and say the reason for this was that when she was still very very young, she was a very young girl. She was um, close to 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 twelve years old, but maybe not yet twelve years old. She was the youngest. She had not yet begun to menstruate, and um, her pregnancy was then not something that could be recognized through missed menstrual periods. No one realized that Zilpa was pregnant until she showed um, signs of being pregnant in her last few months. Very, very strange. Again, understanding that people got married much, much younger than uh, than, 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 than people normally do uh, today. So that too is is quite an interesting idea. But Tomer Leah, and Leah now is the one that is going to be naming him, but Tomer Leah, Bagad, Tikra Etchemor Gad, Bagad, success has come. And so he, she called him Gad. And why did she call him success, so to speak? Because Leah saw that Gad would be successful in being the first tribe to gain a portion in the Holy Land. And he was also born in 1564 on the 28th of October. So now as we're following all of that, you can see that he had three sons <clears throat> in the space of three to four months. He had uh, Naphtali and he had Gad and he had Dan, Dan, Naphtali and Gad. Sons are all born from three different women um, in the space of three months. Quite fascinating, isn't it? This is 101.9 High FM. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back, and you're with me, Adel Kozilski. We are discussing the birthing of the 12 tribes. Uh, Joseph just sent in a thing. Yes, well, Yaakov was the man, and... <laughs> Yes, he certainly was the man having a lot, a lot of kids. Uh, uh, let's see further uh, what happens now again. So he's had three kids in the space of three months. A busy man indeed he was. Vatelet, Zilpa, Shifchat, Leah, Bain, Shani, Yaakov. We're now in verse 12 of chapter 30. Uh, Leah's handmaiden, Zilpa, bears another son for Yaakov. Vatome, Leah. She goes, look at my good fortune, Asher. Okay, Asher is good fortune, it's wealth. The daughters will deem me fortunate 
And so she names him uh, Asher. And she says this because why? Well, well, she's feeling very, very fortunate now because if she considers herself the mother of all these children, she had four of her own. And now she has another two, which um, Zilpa has born, Gad and Asher. And now she's feeling tremendously wealthy. And in fact, it says that one of the reasons why she names him Asher is that she saw that her son's descendants, Asher's descendants, would be fortunate and would bless God for the good fruit that grew in the portion of the Holy Land, which was the best fruit of all. She saw that um, the descendants of Asher, of Asher would not go from place to place. They would have good fortune and security in their fortified cities and mansions, and that their uh, portion in the Holy Land would be the very best. She also saw, foresaw that their women would also become the wives of Kohanim and of kings, and so they were a pretty fortunate bunch of people. Asher was born on the 20th of Adar in the year 2199, March the 23rd, 1562. So after the birth of the first, those other three sons, um, Dan, Naftali, and Gad, we wait uh, two years, well, a year and a half, and then we land up seeing um, the birth of uh, of Asher. So we're now on eight. Now we get to a very, very interesting uh, story. Remember, Rachel is the only one who is still barren, and the story intensifies, obviously, in her longing to have a child. Reuved, okay, the oldest son, um, I'm not exactly sure how old he was at the time, but he's obviously the oldest brother. We probably could do a calculation. I'm just going back in my notes to see uh, how old Reuven was. Give me two minutes. Um, Reuven was 1569. We're now on 1562. He's, he's around about seven years old, seven or eight years old. The Torah goes into a very, very interesting story. Vayelech Reuven bimei kitzir chitim vayimta dudayim basadeh. Reuven goes out into the fields in the days when they were harvesting the wheat and he finds dudayim. Now, here in my translation, they call them love flowers, okay, of the fields. Could be dandelions. I could be uh, connect, uh, corrected about the English translation. But he finds these special flowers in the field. And he brings them to his mother, Leah. Okay? Um, sorry. It wasn't dandelions. I'm looking over here. It says it was, in fact, jasmine. Now, jasmine has a very, very uh, pleasant fragrance. Other opinions go and say it wasn't jasmine. It was, in fact, the mandrake. And the root of this plant looks like a, a human being with hands and feet. And it, it was kind of like a, an understood thing in those days that this this 
to die in, whether it was called mandrake or jasmine, promoted fertility. And it was even used by certain uh, physicians because it had globular berries, and some berries looked like men and others like women. I guess, I don't know, they crushed them, took them. Not exactly sure of the whole procedure, but Ruven goes out into the field. It's actually the month of Sivan. It's around June time. It's the wheat harvest in the Holy Land, and he collects a bunch of flowers, and he brings them to Leah. Now, I would assume that Leah and Rivka, Bella and Zilpah, live in like basically one compound. Each of them probably have their own their own uh, their own tents, but they live in one compound, and they, he brings these mandraxes back to Leah, and Rachel sees them. What does Rachel say? But Tome Rachel el Leah, Rachel says to Leah, please give me some of your son's flowers. Okay, give me some some of your son's flowers. And what does Leah reply? Is it not enough that you took my husband's love? You now want to take away the, the flowers of my son. Rachel, Rachel then said, and she actually cracks a deal with her. Alright, let him come to you, let him sleep with you tonight in exchange with for your son's flowers. Okay, because basically I assume that what uh, um, Yaakov did is he visited a different tent every every night. And so she said, although Yaakov is supposed to visit my tent tonight, let him be with you, exchange that for you giving me these mandrakes. Um, and you know, hopefully that would, would assist her in her fertility. Quite fascinating. We'll be back shortly. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Well, we're trying to finish up and understand what did those mandrakes do, what mandrakes do, what happened further. Um, let's continue in verse 16. By Yavo Yaakov, Minasade, Yaakov comes from the field. He, he works, he hires himself, if you remember, out to Laban by the day. And according to Torah law, he had to work until sunset, um, as discussed earlier. Um, so it says that uh, Leah heard Yaakov's donkey bray, and she went out to greet him, um, not in the presence of Rachel, because she did not want to embarrass Rachel. But Tete Leah Likrato, she went out to greet him. But Tomer, um, and she said, Elaitavo, you to come to me tonight. Because I have hired you with my son's dudaim, with my son's love flowers. He lay with her that night. God heard Leah's prayer. And guess what, folks? She actually falls pregnant. And she gives birth to Yaakov a fifth. Son, but Leah, what does Leah say now? Natan Elokim Sechari, Asher Natati Shimchatili Ishi Vatikra Shemo Isachar, that God has given me my reward, my Sachar, because I gave my handmaid to my husband, and so she 
names him Issachar. Issachar, born on May the 17th, um, 1563. Um, really, really, really interesting. Some say that, some say that he was, he was born on the 10th of Av, others say he was born on the 6th of Sivan. There's a little bit of, uh, uh, dissension there as to when exactly he was born, but the swapping of the flowers, um, allows her to have the merit of having a fifth son. In fact, King, King, King Shlomo, Melech Shlomo, writes in the book of Shira Shirim, in the Song of Songs, he says, the love flowers give forth fragrance. You can look at that, chapter 7, verse 14. We are going to read the last two, two uh, verses, because we're almost done in time, Vatahar Odleya. She falls pregnant again by Taylor Ben Shishila Yaakov. She gives birth to a sixth son. Batomelea Zavadani Elokim Oti Zevet Tovapam Yizbeleni Ishi Kieladati Lo Shishabanim. God has given me a good endowment, so to speak. My son, my husband will now make a permanent home, Zavul, with me because I have given him six sons. Batikra Echemol Zavulun. Um, and so she calls him Zebulon. Zebulon born on October the 2nd, 1562, before the Common Era. And when she said, God gives me a good portion, his descendants will also obtain a good portion in the land of Israel. Now, Yisachar and Zebulon have an incredible relationship, a working relationship, which we will discuss with next week. Very, very interesting. Um, we're almost at the end of the 12 tribes. Things are going to get really, really interesting after this. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm looking forward to spend time with you again in the same time, same place next week. In the meantime, stay safe, stay sane, and uh, enjoy the week ahead.